Lord, that we can worship you, that we can give all of ourselves to you. You're so beautiful. You're so lovely. You're such a God of peace. Thank you for this time, God. Okay, I'm Jenny, if you don't know me. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, let me get my mess. I love you, whoever said that. Um, well, real quick, I was just curious. I know earlier you did the thumb meter. Did anybody have a good night's sleep? Okay. If you had a good night's sleep, I would like you to stand up. Okay. Now I want you to turn around and I want you to lay your hands on people around you who did not. Okay, so really, let's do it. Let's believe, because if you had good night's sleep, I want you to share it with other people. So Lord, we do ask God, we, we take it seriously. Lord, we give out to other people good sleep in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that we would not come off this weekend super weary but that we would get all the rest we need. And even for those people that struggle with sleep, God, I ask for a shift that they would not have sh sleep problems any longer. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Okay. Okay, guys. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start this this morning from, a, well, first of all, I don't know if, surely you know me. I'm Scott's wife. Um, we've been married 24 years. Yeah, he, he told you last night, I'm the oldest person in the room. Um, <laughs> so uh, we have two daughters. One is 17, about to be 18. The other one's 16. So yeah, going to be empty nesters in the next little bit. Yeah, Okay. So um, I'm going to start this morning from a scripture from 1 John. So I have lots of scriptures. If you want to turn in your Bibles, we'll have some. Most of them should be on the screen. There's some I'll just go through really quickly because it'll it might take a lot of time for us to get to them all. But um, anyway, 1 John, 1 John three. Let me get all my stuff in order here. Okay. 18 to 19. It starts off with dear children, which I think is awesome that John addresses his recipients like that, that he loves them. He doesn't think of them as immature, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, in the same, in the same chapter, he says that you're dearly loved children of God. So anyway, I just think we need to uh, be encouraged at how, how much God loves us, how much the writers love, love their people. Uh, anyway, I'll go on. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. So we stop right there. How do we love? I love to, what does it say? How do we love? Actions, actions and in truth. That's right. Yeah, not, you could say the not, but we're focusing on the positive right here. Okay. Um, so if you read the scripture before that, John is talking about that we need to be, if we see people in need, that we need to give. And so we could have a whole day on talking about how we love and action. But today I'm going to focus more on the truth part. And then the first 19 also 
It says, I'm sorry, I'm figuring out this mic thing with my hair. Anyway, okay. Um, Okay, verse 19, it says, This is then we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. So I'm going to talk about those two things today. The truth and our hearts, the condition of our hearts. Okay. So my little piece of humor here is I'm going to show you a couple of license plates. I have this strange hobby of checking out some license plates. Can y'all show that picture? Okay. Okay. This is local. Local in East Valley. So I took this picture. Okay, the next one. Can you believe this? I'm serious. Okay. It says I'm fat if you can't see it. Okay, this is literally, I just took this like a week ago. I'm a dietitian, and so I like to have material when I teach nutrition classes at my girls' high school. So anyway, this is one I'm going to be showing. But, okay, the next one. Fat girl, y'all, come on. <laughs> it's really sad. So I would have to give these people some credit that they're, maybe they're not walking in denial. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I just think, it's in, but I think as well, we can say obviously they're not walking in the truth that God would want them to have, and they're wanting everybody to say that. It really is sad. So if you see any more like food nutri- uh, license plates, I'd love to see them. But anyway, okay. So, those are people that may not be walking in the truth. Um, Could you say that everything in your sphere of concern is at rest? Just think about that for a minute. Maybe it's something's not taken care of, something's not done. Um, And when I mean at rest, I don't mean like you're faking it till you make it. I mean there's quiet inside that you could sit there and it doesn't bother you, okay? Did you know that people are actually paying $89 an hour to go to a noise deprivation tank in the East Valley? You can do it in Tempe. You can go sit in this thing of water to have all the noise removed from you for $89 an hour. I'm not kidding, I just looked it up, okay. Well, yeah, I don't, you can go look up how it works, but Anyway, I just think we don't need that. We can have that kind of quiet within. We can have everything in our sphere of concern at rest that we don't need to go pay money to come to a place of rest. Um, When I get time with Jesus, I usually start with worship. That's just me. I might be worshiping through a difficulty or emotion I'm having that doesn't feel good. And just this week, I had a super hard conversation with somebody. Scott can attest. I came home. I was a mess. I wasn't very nice. To Scott, um, I repented, but I had to get upstairs. And as I'm walking up my stairs, the Lord brings a song to my mind, and I was like, eh, "I don't feel like that's the song that goes with the situation." But it's okay. I put it on, put my earpods in, I start worshiping, and literally about halfway through it, He says to me, "Do you trust me with their life?" This this person I just had this conversation with. It wasn't anything about the song. It's just that that's what he said, and he brought me to peace. And that really, it didn't take care of my relationship with that person necessarily, but it brought me to a place of peace because he's saying, are you going to trust me with them? Is it my responsibility to take care of them, or is he going to do it? And that's the word I needed. So worship helps getting us moved toward him. It's worth it, taking the time. Sometimes I stop to see what's coming to mind. Often after I'm done, I just sit down and I start thinking, Lord, what is, what's on my mind? What's on my heart? And I literally write everything down. 
because it's not worth moving forward if I haven't worked through it. It's worth writing it down and hearing God for every single thing that's on my heart. And sometimes, you know what he says? I love you, Jenny. It may not be just the answer. It might be, don't fret. It's always gentle. He might say, I've got this. Or it might be something different, like a scripture. Or, for instance, the other day, I was realizing in those kind of moments, I'm getting time with Jesus, I'm realizing there's some sadness in my heart. That's what I'm talking about. I'm getting quiet enough so I can recognize what's going on inside. So there's some sadness in my heart, and I'm like, okay, Lord, what's going on? And I start thinking about how my family, it, just the dynamics of my family have changed because my girl, we're back at school, my girls are in choir, they go to games, they have jobs, homework till late at night. Our family time is just getting squinched, or it's so inconsistent. And so I was just like, oh God, so same thing, I'm in the middle of worship, trying to, I'm worshiping through this, and uh, the thought comes to my mind in the middle of that time is about his disciples and how, I mean, I highly doubt they had a consistent schedule ever, you know? They probably never knew what Jesus was going to do next, and they had to be okay with it. Now, did that fix my problem with my family? Not really, but it gave me such perspective in the moment. It brought me peace, and again, I'm getting my eyes back on Jesus, that you've got my family. He knows the desires of my heart. He's going to be able to take care of me and them. Um, let's look back at 1 John 3, 18 to 19 again. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. So I'm mainly talking about truth here today, and I'm going to use the word appropriating truth. I don't know if you've heard that before. The verb appropriate means that we take something that's probably not our own and we make it our own. And usually that's without permission or authority. If you were to do that with something else in life, you appropriate something, it's more of a negative connotation. But when I'm talking about appropriating truth, we're talking about something Jesus died for. So he gave us all the permission we need to use it. I can know the truth. I can know scripture. I can know what he said to me in the past, the present, things like that. But if it's out here or here and not here, I'm not necessarily being changed by it. And to me, it's kind of like leaving money in the bank. Got a lot of stuff in there. But then I come out here and I say, I'm hungry. There's nothing for me to eat. Woe is me. No, 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 no. Okay? When there's something in the bank and I'm not utilizing it. Really, it's just like the parable of uh, the talents and also the parable of the minas. In both of these situations, there was a guy, an, an owner who had servants. He gave his guy talent, he gave his men different numbers of talents. If you want to look there, it's Matthew 25 is one. The other one is Luke 19, the parable of the minas. In both of these stories, there's an owner or a king who distributes this amount of money or whatever it was to their people, and he leaves. And when he comes back, most of the people that have been given the talents of the minas have put that money to work, and they've gained returns. But there's one guy in each story who doesn't do anything with it. The parable of the talents, he buries it, and then the parable of the minas, he puts it in a cloth. Now, uh, you know, at the end of these stories, let's look at those scriptures, Matthew 25, 29. 
the owner gets upset. And he says, well, first of all, he says, give it to the guy who has more. And it sounds really unfair. He's like, take it from the guy who has one and give it to the guy who has everything. And the people are like, wait, wait, he's, got two, he's already got some. But this is his response. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. The same thing is in Luke 19.26. Very similar. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given but as the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. It's a kind of hard scripture. But when we think about that if I am leaving it there and not doing anything with it, is it gaining a return? No, it's not. We're not doing, if we're not applying it, it doesn't make much difference. It's loss. Every truth or scripture that you put into, into practice, once you learn, you put into practice, well, first of all, I'm going to say this. Every time you learn a scripture, even from your child all the way to now, it's like gold that gets put in the bank. But when you apply it, when you do something with it, it gains returns for you and for others. I think we end up loving ourselves, others, and God with truth. That, you know, that first verse we we're talking about, loving with actions and in truth, when we walk out the truth, we are probably doing those actions that we need to be to love others. Um, and I think as you do that more, let's say I apply truth, then there's more grace to do the next time, and it's multiplied. Or I share it with somebody else, and it's multiplied to them. The return on investment is greater than if I just let it be buried in the ground or kept in the bank. In the 90s, this was before we had social media, we had digital books, all that. A cool thing to do was to go hang out at the bookstore, Christian bookstores. Um, I know. Uh, okay. We had these, everybody give these cute little uh, gift books and things like that. That's not so popular anymore. But um, there was one that was really popular back then by Bruce Wilkinson on the prayer of Jabez. Anybody ever seen that at their parents' house? Yeah. Okay. My parents had it. Amen. It was all about two... <laughs> It was all about two verses in the Old Testament. So let's read, let's turn there. It's 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. I'd love for you to turn there. And I'm losing things out of my Bible. It's 4, 9 through 10. Okay. Is everybody there? Okay. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Yikes. I bet he'd want to be in our group and change his name, you know? Okay. Oh, that you would... Okay. So he cried out to God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. So... In a way, it kind of sounds a little selfish, like, bless me. I mean, okay, we sang that song yesterday. I'm still having, what's wrong? My hair? A vanity fix? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Um, anyway, back to this. <laughs> um, now I am off. Okay. Bless me. Yes. Okay. Just personally, I'm, I'm still working through that whole bless me stuff, but it's good. I want to get there. But anyway, um, it's, 
I mean, he says it. It's in the Word. He says, bless me. However, I would like to, what if we were to change this prayer to be something like this? Um, well, I just want to, okay, this is what I would say. How about this? We said, if you would help me to see your blessings and enlarge the territory of truth I lay a hold of, may your hand be with me and keep me from believing lies so I can be healed. How about that for a prayer? Okay. So I think God would really love for us to expand our territory. Maybe not financially, maybe not land. I don't know. Maybe so. But he does want us to expand the territory of truth. So if today your territory of truth is like this, I want you to, I want you to have faith that it can become like this, that it could be more than you could even imagine. And when I say that, it's not how much you know, but it's how much you're applying. Okay? I'm, I'm asked, I'm asking you to move toward appropriating truth in your life, that you are applying it and it is uh, yielding gains in your life and others. So what if walking in the truth or applying truth has not been your thing? Maybe you've just been a person who learns it. You really know the word, but you haven't done much more with it. I think it's just, it's time to recognize that. You know, there's stages of change and you recognize here I am and I need to move forward with applying truth and walking in freedom. You can make an action plan. You can speak to someone. You can confess where you're at. You can ask someone to hold you accountable. What truth are you going to apply this week and how are you going to walk in freedom? It's really, it's taking action and not just sitting back if you want your life to be changed. If we, uh, just a second. I, like I said before, if it's in the, if you've got it in you, that's when you're going to be ready in those hard moments. Like I just shared with you myself that the Holy Spirit can highlight, hey, there's this truth and here it is to walk in. You know, if we are to be disciples of Jesus, he's called us to obey what he's saying, and then he's going to help deal with our hearts. So when we have a truth that we have to obey that doesn't feel good, or uh, we have to apply and walk in faith, we obey, and then he takes care of us. That's that measure of, of faith and trust that he wants us to have. If we go back to the parable, the two parables actually, in Luke 19, verse 21, the hiding the mina guy, he says to the, his owner, I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. The buried the talent guy said the same thing. He was afraid of his master. And it makes me think of how we can have wrong mindsets of the character of God, just like Scott talked about last night on that table. If, we have, if we're off in our thinking of God's character, it's a lot harder to walk in the truth and to apply things. So again, all this is building you know, if you, were, if you responded to what Scott shared last night about our, our, our perspective of our God, that's one step. If you apply some truth, that's another step. All these things work together. And one thing I'd like to say is just what's coming out of your mouth? If what's coming out of your mouth doesn't line up with God's truth and his character, then you know something is off in your heart. It's really important. What's coming out of your mouth is an indicator of what's going on in your heart. If it doesn't line up with God's character and His truth, then that's, it needs to be a big flashing light. Let's look at Matthew 12. That's where it speaks about that. I'm going to turn there with me. Okay. 
Okay, we're going to start in verse 34. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here. So I will not say that you are a brood of vipers. Okay, we'll skip down to the second part of that. Part B. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. For I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. That is a hard scripture. That last one? Okay. And I, you know, I highlight, I just want to stop and highlight today because it's there. It's in the word. Careless words. We've got to be careful. It's, but it's easy. We just repent and we move forward. If you do it, repent, you know. Um, don't get no shame here. We've all been there. So, um, and of course, this doesn't mean that I can't go share with my husband or my friend or a confidant or a leader that I'm having a hard time and how it makes me mad. Da, 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 da. You know, it's okay to share that kind of stuff, but I think it's good again to go what's coming out and the frequency of coming out should be an indicator of where I'm at. And if me sharing and being like that just stirs it up, maybe that wasn't a good idea to share it. In fact, when Scott and I were first married and we were figuring out how to do in-laws, it's tricky. Um, we'd have one parent visit and we could start yan, yan, yan about how she did this, whatever, how she or he did this. And we really just got to where we were like, we have to have a rule. We cannot share that unless we really are going to keep our hearts clean. Because it was, we'd call it, we're stirring it up. And we don't want to stir it up. Because it's just going to make it harder to go backward and love and much more to repent for. I'm sorry if I'm being hard today, guys. I just, this is what... Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, okay. But I do want to highlight the good verse here, the positive one. This, these were hard verses. But verse 35 said, I love it. It says three times, the good. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. So for all of you who are in the Word and studying it, it is good stored up in you, and you have good to bring out, okay? So if you are storing up, way to go. What are you storing up in your heart? Is it focusing on those qualities of God? Uh, you know, we, we, we've, at Antioch every Sunday, we've been hearing all about the noise that we have, and I mean, obviously, if we have all this noise, there's not any, not a lot of room for a lot of stuff to come in. And again, it makes me think about people are running off to pay $89 an hour to have quiet. We have to move the noise away so that we can have room to store up. So I don't know how much time you're spending in doing that, what that looks like. But again, storing up is not just reading the word or memorizing, which is awesome doing it, but it's applying it in the moment. It's making those uh, deposits in the bank. You don't have to turn here if you don't want to. It's Isaiah 44:20. if you want to write it down. But it says, a deluded heart misleads him. He feeds on ashes. Okay? So if your heart's full of other stuff, you might be misled. And if you're feeding on what happened in the past, something that was how good it was in the past, and you don't know it. It's not the same now. It's, it's ashes that blow away in the wind, and it's being diluted. John 16.33 says, In this world you will have trouble. It's just part of life. But then he says, 
take heart. I have overcome. So who's overcoming in the scripture? Jesus. It's not us. Jesus overcomes. But what's our part to do? It's take heart. And really, it's thinking that. I mean, obviously, we know he's saying take heart means be encouraged. You can do it. Your heart's awesome. But I just want to say that what is the condition of our hearts when he wants us to have courage? And that's a reason that we want to work on keeping our hearts clean, storing up and all that. So when it is, there is trouble, we can have the heart to take courage. I'm going to sort, tell a, I'm going to try to make a long story short here. I'm going to tell the time of when uh, I faced some huge disappointment. I felt like it was the biggest injustice in my whole life, really. Um, temptation to fear and be super angry with a country I'd lived in for 11 years, prayed for, learned to love. It was my life. It was the end of 2020, so pretty recent. We were staying in one of the Haven houses. Scott and I had started the Haven houses in Portugal. There were two duplexes, beautiful homes. I should have showed you a picture. Four bedrooms, three baths each with the back, back of the houses. It's like a vineyard right out of Tuscany. But it wasn't. It was Portugal. But anyway, um, that's where we would have missionaries come and they could get rest and restoration. We'd meet with them for whatever they needed. We did that for a decade. So um, anyway back to where I was. We're staying there. We had sold our home. We're about to come back to the United States to be with you all. It's after Christmas. I think we're leaving like January 5th. I don't know. We get a, we get a, uh, a letter in the mail that the Supreme Court of Portugal has overturned a ruling and a lawsuit that the Haven has been in for over a decade. This lawsuit was when Scott went to sign the papers for the Haven, Ten years earlier, the, the guys who owned the house were crooks. They forged bank documents and took all of our money, and the money did not go to the bank. We had no idea this happened. Several months later, we get a huge lawsuit on us, millions of dollars. So for years, we had this issue of a lawsuit hanging over our heads. It went to the first court, and what the first court decided was that Scott was innocent. It was an issue of Scott's innocence that he was not with the criminals, because that was their deal. They thought he was a bad guy, too. That first court said he was, he was clean, we were fine, praise God. A couple years later, they tried to, whatever, call, appeal, and that second court said, no problem, it's, it's done, so we're free. So here we are, probably five, six years later, we are literally about to walk out of the country, and we hear the Supreme Court has overruled this ruling. And what do I think? My husband is about to go to jail. All the other guys went to jail. I literally had no idea, and no one else did either. The attorneys had no idea what was going on. Our local accountant guy, I went to say goodbye to him, and he is normally super supportive and all this, and he was like, this is so bad. So here we are, packed up, headed to the airport, and all I know is this potential, the potential of when I get to that immigration checkpoint that they might arrest Scott. And I have no idea. If that didn't happen, I also knew that it's possible that if we leave, they might never let us come back. And that was the kind of stuff I was dealing with. And on top of 
having to leave, and I really didn't want to leave. I loved living overseas. Um, I love all you, and I'm so glad I'm here. However, back then, <laughs> that was where I was at. Anyway, um, so obviously, he didn't get arrested. He's here. Praise God. <laughs> um, and... Uh, Three months later, we found out the Supreme Court said that AMI, Antioch, was innocent, and so was Scott, praise Jesus, but that they needed all their money, and so they were taking the houses back. These were houses that people had given hundreds of thousands of dollars for. Hundreds to probably a thousand missionaries had come through and stayed in those homes. We'd have memories with those people. I'd helped a lady give birth. I mean, you name it. We, have been, we had done it all there. And we're having, they're being taken away from us. I mean, this really was a, a ministry that we birthed overseas, and it's being taken away. There's a scripture that I want you to see that I got to receive comfort from, if you could see that. You have it up? Sorry. Um, 10, Hebrews 10.34. I can just say it. Okay, I'm just going to say it. It's this one. Listen carefully. You joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Here we go. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's hard for me not to cry still. But it's okay. It may not look like I'm not sunk, but I am. I am not sunk. But you know what? I stored up. I had no idea that the Supreme Court of Portugal was going to turn a ruling over. I was storing up for moving back home. I was storing up for selling a home I loved and coming to a place I had no idea what it was going to be. Let me show you. No, it's a beer, sorry. This paper right here, it says transition and move. This paper was my paper with all my prayer requests. It was my paper with my scriptures on it that I was believing for my daughters for a transition. It was the paper that had all the things I'd hoped for in a home here in Arizona. This paper was the thing that I believed I stood on every day. Thank you. You know, I have no idea this side of heaven, if this kept me afloat or not through that hard time. But I will say that I want to believe that it was a lot less worse than it could be because I had stored up. And because when it was, I was tempted to fear, I said no. And I know some of you know that out there, that I do that. If you just, let's do that with me. When fear comes, do this. Just say no. There's no room. You put your hand out. Yep. Whatever's coming, you know, let me find that verse really quick. I'm going to say it because I don't want to forget it. Um, James 4, 7, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And I love that verse just to practice it today. When you're having a struggle that's coming, I just think, God, I submit to you. I am feeling anxious right now, and I submit to you. I just, I like think about putting myself on my knees, even if I can't. I submit to you. I resist, 
anxiety, fear, whatever it is, because the Bible says it's going to flee, and I need to apply faith. That's just one example of having a piece of truth, and I'm not leaving it in the bank. I'm putting it to work. And there, there's a whole binder here, y'all. It's falling apart. This is my binder I've had for, I don't know, it's a decade. I just bought a new one. But this first section is all the things I've prayed for my girls for years. I've laminated. This next one is for me and Scott. And the next one is for being a leader. And the next one is for every teammate that I've had through. And then I have gift, not gift cards. <laughs> That's funny. What a funny slip. Um, I have index cards for many of you leaders who are life group leaders. I pray for you, and I have an index card that I go through with things the Lord puts on my heart for you. That is how I pray, and I stand on the word for the things in our lives. Every time there's something coming down the pipe that's big, I pray. My daughter leaving next year for college, I'm probably going to start a new page. God, what are you saying? What's the scriptures for that? How am I going to get through it without being a mess? And guys, it's not just for girls to have a cute journal of prayers. Guys, come on. You can have your thing too, okay? Okay. One scripture that's convicted me for years, sorry about the hair, um, is Hebrews 3.19. Talking about the Israelites. They, will not, they were not able to enter his rest because of their unbelief. And one thing that's always been, that's kind of another one of my indicators too. If I've moved from peace, what's going on? Is there unbelief in there? Why am I, how, how am I off on believing the truth of God? It also could be a lot of other stuff. It could be I have expectations that are not met. I have judgment. Maybe I'm hurt. And all those are very legitimate feelings to have. You know, I, I just, could I have hated Portugal? I really, I mean, they took our stuff. I absolutely could have. Could I have been bound by fear? when I was heading through that airplane? Definitely. But had I practiced not letting those things have a place in my heart? Yes. When we are quick to deal with what's in our heart, when we gain sensitivity for what's going on, it doesn't mean I take a million days down the road to figure out what happened down there. It needs to be that we get to a place where our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, it comes right away and we go, wait, something's up right now. It's up right now. What do I need to do? Excuse me, I'm going to go sit with Jesus for a minute. Excuse me, I'm going to sit down. Holy Spirit, what's up? And I respond in the moment. I don't let my heart move from peace because you know what? When I do, I'm probably going to say something that's not godly. I'm probably going to hurt somebody. I'm going to regret it. It's not worth it, people. When I'm speaking of having my heart at rest, it means I have no beef with anybody. 
When my heart is at rest, it means I have no beef with anybody, anything, any situation. And I know some of you out there have some pretty terrible things have happened in your life, and I am not dismissing those things. Don't get me wrong. Don't whatever me off because of your situation. But even in that, I believe that God has you on a process of healing and he has a step that you are to take. And it may not mean that everything's taken care of, but that you are in the next space, you're in the next place he has you. You're walking in obedience with that bit of truth that he has for your process of healing. But again, if I'm walking around with beef in my heart, something's not up. I heard this from somebody, so I can't take the credit for it, but they said, um, just a second. This is it. Let me get, I want to get it right. Judgment cuts off potential. If I have judgment in my relationship with somebody toward a church, an entity, my workplace, my boss, you name it, the potential is stopped. And Jesus, if you think about it, he says in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We can have all these distractions and temptations around us and we're feasting with him and judgment's not on that table. It's clear of those things. I also want to say here that there are times where people have said, oh, you're just trying to truth it out, whatever you're dealing with. And I am not saying that we only walk in truth. Again, I'm saying we say, God, what are you saying? What is the action step for me? The the first John 3 said we love with actions and in truth. So what are we supposed to do? If you're having a hard time, if you're dealing with anxiety, I mean, I actually, this this last week, it wasn't because of this talk, but several times, I mean, my chest is tightening. I have no idea what's going on. Lord, what's going on? I stop right away. And I say, no, anxiety, have no place. And then I'm submitting to God. What's going on? Where's this coming from? But I know, even in my own family, there are people, their anxiety's out of control, and they need to get more help than just truthing it out. Okay? So I'm not trying to say that's the only route we have. But I, I think there's actions and truth. We ask what God's saying, and we obey, and we walk in truth. They're both. You don't do one without the other. Okay, I want to look at Judges 5, if you can open there with me. Okay, Judges 5. I just, you could just start at the beginning, but I want you to look to, let's see, just, just glance at it. The whole thing is the song of Deborah, which I just love that she sings this song. Um, one of my favorite verses ever is 21. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it says, March on my soul, my soul be strong. Anyway, um, verse 23. Well, let me tell you real fast about this. They had just defeated Sisera. She was a judge for Israel in this season. And uh, it's a funny story for your women. You might really love it because the guy doesn't want to go. And she's like, well, you got to know that the, the women's going to get some glory from this, from this battle. And they do. But anyway, okay. Um, so she is going through this and she's praising all the different tribes for what they've done. But then uh, in verse 23, she says, she's, well, it's actually the angel. She's recounting that the angel said, curse Meroz, curse its people bitterly because they did not come to help the Lord. 
to help the Lord against the mighty. I love that because it's a place where they're actually, it's a scripture of them partnering with God in a battle. But I want to move back to verse 15. It's talking about Issachar, that tribe. In the second part, it says, in the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of the heart. Why did you stay among the campfires to hear the whistling from, for the flocks? In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of the heart. Now, we've been talking a lot about the heart today, but in this case, the battle already happened, and she's like, what's up, tribe? You're over here, and all you're doing is, you're over here by the campfires, and now you're having to search your heart. And what should have happened is they should have searched their heart beforehand so they could have been in the battle. They weren't ready. Verse 17, Gilead stayed behind the Jordan, and Dan, why do you linger by the ships? Asher remained on the coast and stayed in his coves. It sounds like a lot of insecurity. They, were, they, they stayed in a safe place. They stayed beyond the Jordan. They lingered by the ships. They wanted to go, but they didn't have the courage or something was up. They stayed in the coves. Sounds like there was some fear going on. If I'm going to take care of my heart and keep it clean, appropriate truth, if I don't do those things, rather, I don't know if we'll be ready like these people in this battle. It's not just for battles, but I don't know that we'll be ready to love well. I don't know if we can even live well. And I'm going to end a story this morning where I wasn't ready. And I might cry again, but hopefully not. Okay. So this was, yeah, 17 years ago. Maya was a newborn, and uh, I was desperate to not be in postpartum depression. It was stinky. I had started back to work. I remember the first time I went back to my doctor, and she's like, how you doing? And I just burst into tears, and I was like, whoa, things aren't good. But we were functioning on very little sleep. Everything I knew as normal had come to a grinding halt. I did go to work, but it was only part-time, so it felt like most of my life was still at home with this newborn. Also, she was losing weight. They wanted me to start on formula, which to you all, that might not be a big deal, but me, I'm a dietitian. In my master's program, my, master, my, main, the, my main professor, her main area of research was low birth weight babies and formula fed versus breast weight babies. So you know that's all I heard all the time. And so here I am having a baby, and they're telling me to give her formula. There's nothing wrong with formula. Just let's see. I'm not saying that. But for me at the time, it was a big deal. On top of being depressed, on top of my little teeny babies getting teenier and teenier. Pretty hard. Anyway, I'm exhausted, having a hard time. Thankfully, Scott asked some friends of ours. They had a huge house if they would let me come stay at their third floor room for that afternoon. And uh, she was so nice. She had all this food out. So again, I think about that Jesus preparing that table before me in the presence of my enemies. And she said to me, oh, you need to take a nap. And I did, and it was great. (laughs) I was exhausted. Anyway, woke up. I'm like, okay, got to get this time with Jesus going, you know. Because that was my purpose. I had to get with him. I knew I needed some time with God. And I would say um, a lot of the things that I wanted to talk to him about, I was really hesitant of what he was going to say. 
just because there was all kinds of stuff in my heart. With, if you've ever known somebody that struggled postpartum depression, you have all kinds of crazy thoughts. Crazy. If you share with somebody, they might want to uh, put you up. Anyway, um, so I'm up there, and I had one of those. Anyway, I had a note card with me, but that's what I did. I had note cards, and everything that came to my mind, I'd write on a note card. That's the only thing I knew what to do. And I'm sitting on the floor, and I have all these note cards around me. And I was afraid of what he was going to say. But just little by little, he gave me courage to pick up a note card and start listening to what he was going to say. And of course, he wasn't on me. Of course, he wasn't mad at me because I didn't store up for that season. Of course, he had gracious words about my little one. Of course, he gave me words of hope. And there was words that aren't, weren't easy as well, but they were gracious because they were from my loving Heavenly Father. I needed to hear them. I needed to know what was truth and what was really important and what was not. I really felt like it, it was like rays of sunshine coming in on a big block of ice. Anyway, I made it through, as you know. And so the next time around, when it was time for me to have another baby, guess what Jenny did? She had her paper ready to go. <laughs> no, really, really, this was the start of it all, to be honest. The next time around, Scott and I talked, and I said, I can't go there again. That was a dark place. And we're like, what are we going to do? We had actions planned. He helped me. We had a whole plan of how we were going to make it through the night with not sleeping well. And I, I would sit there when I was awake. I, had, I didn't have a lot of good time with Jesus, but I had, word, I had scriptures down that I meditated on during that season. And let me tell you, we had some very different results. Anyway. And I know there is no formula to make everything perfect, but I'm just trying to encourage you today that we really can invest. We really can do more than bury what God's given us. We can do more than leave it in our heads, guys. So I think I'm done talking. Um, I, I just I feel like that I would love for you to take some time for those concerns. I ask at the beginning, if everything in your concern, in your sphere of concern, is at rest. And if it's not, here's your opportunity today. I wish I had no cards so you could sit down with God like I did. But I would like you to take some time and just say, God, why is it not at rest? Is there unbelief I need to repent for? Is there truth I've known and I haven't appropriated it? I haven't walked in it? Am I dealing with judgment? Am I hurt and I haven't forgiven? Something coming out of my heart all the time, out of my mouth, that I need to repent for, and I need to probably share with somebody. I need to repent for the Lord. Do I need to repent to somebody else? What do I need to do? Do we need to think about how can we invest? We like to invest in other ways, in people, and money, things like that. But how do I need to invest in truth today? So I think I would love for you to sit where you are if you want to pray through those things. But if you want prayer, I would love for you to come up today. I love it that we would pray for one another if you want prayer for one of these places. And then what I'd like to ask is when you're done praying, when you're work through your sphere of concern, I'd like for you to get up and ask Jesus who else in this room needs to be prayed for today. Okay?
because that's the deals. You're not alone. And if you feel alone, that's a lie from the enemy. We care for each of you, and I wish that we could sit down and hear all of your stories. But that's why he's given us each other. And you know, I just want to say too, I just want to give a word of warning. Sometimes when we pray for others, we want to be like, oh, I know this truth. I want to pray it for you. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. But sometimes we need to wait again and say, Holy Spirit, what is, what's the word for the moment? And maybe it's you come back later and tell them, hey, I just thought about this word for you. I don't know. You know how that feels. You don't want somebody putting salt in your wound. But that's where it's got to be. I'm not asking for perfection, sorry. <laughs> but I just think being sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we pray for one another, because there are times to share it. But you know what? I would say that word that you have put into practice, that you've worked and not buried, that's the kind of truth that's going to bear fruit in someone's life. Okay. Love you all. So let's, let's all stand. Well, I don't know. How about you sit, but let's, uh, let's just spend some time looking at what's going on in your sphere of concern and come up if you want to be prayed for.